Hey everybody, welcome to the DeFi Mafia podcast. Today we have two very special guests. We have two of the co-founders of Redacted Cartel, Sammy and Canando. Thank you guys so much for coming on. How are you guys doing today? I'm good, man. Great to be here. Likewise, dude. It's uh, nice to hop in. Thanks so we've much been, for having we've been me. Trying to, we've been trying to do something since, I guess, like, uh, you put out that article on home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how I, I first reached out to you. Thank, yeah, thanks yeah, for yeah. Uh, remembering that. I'm glad you read it. And uh, so I did feature New Order, which we'll get into maybe a little bit later on uh, one of the other articles, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also here with my co-host, Dylan. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to go over. So we wanted to start. You guys launched your 2022 uh, roadmap. And it's pretty interesting. I gotta be honest, I took a lot of notes uh, before this to prepare. And I just wanted to go through it and, and just have you guys talk through it because there's some of this stuff is a little uh, complex and, and especially for people who are not as well versed in DeFi. Uh, so I just want to get into it a little bit, especially with the harbinger tax and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it. So you guys started out with like the five things that you're trying to solve. Um, and I'll link, by the way, for anybody listening, uh, we will link this uh, roadmap so you can follow along if you want to or just watch uh, on the screen. Real quick, David, it might be good to preface for our listeners. I I'm sure most know, but just in case they don't know what Redacted is. This is a good point. Sammy, or one of you two, do you want to kind of give the brief overview of what Redacted is? <clears throat> yeah. Redacted is um, a sub-DAO of Olympus DAO. So where I think Olympus focuses on leveraging the concept of PCV and POL, uh, to sort of become this reserve currency in DeFi. Uh, we leverage the same mechanics to become, I guess, like governance kingmakers, right? So leveraging the same mechanics to accumulate influential governance tokens, which we can use as like, you know, revenue streams, as well as like a uh, voting influence in different DAOs. That's like, that's like the Eli 5 TLDR. Right, right, right. Taking so the first the one you started with, for example, was for the curve wars with convex and curve, right? So you had yeah. influence. I think um, I think this is like a trend across all of DeFi, you know, moving towards like the sort of um, a liquid governance. Uh, yeah, moving towards like a liquid governance where you can still extract. <coughs> My bad. You can, you can extract higher revenue out of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but obviously the most developed like ecosystem of like these uh, like governance, uh, liquid governance tokens is like the curve and convex side of things, right? So we started there um, yesterday, like today's Wednesday, I guess, whatever. Uh, yesterday we turned on like Toke bonds. Um, we started doing FXS bonds. So we're branching out from curve and convex slowly, sort of like expanding the ecosystem. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was going to chime in convex. there. Um, yeah, no, that's all dope, man. I was going to chime in like, yeah, we've seen, you know, obviously the VE token model is what you're referring to. And we've seen like other ecosystems adopt this sort of thing. Like uh, it was like in spirit on Phantom with like Liquid Driver. And then now Joe, even uh, Trader Joe has like readopted their or reconfigured uh, their tokenomics to where they have, you know, like Arjo and VE Joe now. So just wanted to add that like where it's, this is increasingly becoming, I feel like the standard or, you know, at least very popular in, in the DeFi world. Yeah, and we're in a good position now where we sort of like bootstrapped our ecosystem with like assets like Curve and Convex. Um, we've like uh, following Vodium round 10, um, we're producing around like I think like 30 to 40 million dollars in revenue a year just from bribes and revenue off of like, you know, these um, 
off of these assets that we're accumulating, right? So we're in a good position to like, I guess, like plant our flag early in some of these new ecosystems, which haven't like popped up yet, um, or that are like in the developments of getting made uh, and sort of like getting in there and being like, you know, like big majority players in like their ecosystems. Yeah, I have some of the uh, stats up here from the Dune dashboard. You guys are, with you and Olympus combined, are you the largest owners of Convex? As far as protocols? We were to combine it, yes, we would be. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a lot of influence there. Um, All right. So let's get into some of the things that you guys wanted to address for this coming year. So you wanted to basically increase your LP position. Uh, shift away from the rebasing token model, which which is interesting. Was that like a hard decision for you guys, or was that pretty easy? Because obviously you started with that, working with Olympus. Yeah, well, I mean, um, it, it's up to the DAO, right? It's not really up to us. We're sort of just like proposing ideas here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Harbinger model doesn't necessarily mean we have to move away from rebases, uh, which we can get into. There's flexibility in that model. Um I think I think uh, you can transition away from like rebases slowly. I think like out of everything in the roadmap, that would be the most like major shift. Um, but I think there's like uh, yeah some aspects of like dilution and growing too fast, which may make sense to like turn off rebases for a little bit even, right? Right, right, makes sense. Okay, well, let's get into the Operation Theco Master uh, since that's one of the first things you guys are doing. Theco Samada. Thico Somata, sorry, sorry. I had to Google <laughs> what that was. I didn't realize it was a uh, underwater butterfly. Come on, dude. Exactly, Very right? So, like, you, like liquid, like yes. the ocean is liquid, liquidity, yeah, exactly. Beautiful naming. Um, so, basically, you're getting a, uh interest-free loan from Ohm or from Olympus in Ohm uh, to help bootstrap your LPs even more. Do you want to explain a little bit the thought process behind this and why... Olympus would do this? Yeah, exactly. So, like, in Olympus V2, this is, like, a new feature that kind of just explained to us over a call. And um, we just started thinking, well, this is really useful, right? So, like, um, before, like, Olympus had an incurred debt um, method in the treasury for V1, it, which allowed you to borrow die against own, right? But, like, that's, like, um, like, that has, like, some limited use cases, maybe for, like, um, kind of, like, recollateralizing own bonds or whatever. But, like, in V2, they added the option to borrow own against s So, like, that means, for like, a limited set of use cases, the Olympus DAO would effectively give you, like, like an Alchemix-like service for you to borrow own against your state's own. Um, we basically proposed that we would use this exclusively for LP. So, like, we would take all the own that we raised during, like, our treasury bootstrapping event, um, etc., and we'd use that as collateral to borrow more own. That own would then be used like to progressively add uh, more liquidity, um, especially like a couple of weeks ago, where, like when we were when like the markets were like quite volatile. Um, that was like a very important thing for us, so we kind of like, pushed this proposal through. Um, right now, like we're trying to diversify like the places we get liquidity from. So another thing that we're kind of looking into is using this approach of minting butterfly directly from the treasury, which is like something that we kind of like uh, made a constitution amendment for um, due to the Kosamada to mint um, liquidity to pair with ETH on curve. So that's something that we want to launch like quite soon as well. And then like once like we have more diverse liquidity, we'll probably work on like the original OM concept just to like build liquidity in every location that we can. 
And Olympus is doing this because their goal is to be the reserve currency, right? So they want Ohm to be used more as money. Is that why they're doing this? Basically, yeah, right. So like, um, think of Olympus as like a federal reserve bank, right? So the idea is that they're providing a wide range of financial services beyond being us, like with, beyond like the goal of being like a stable coin. They're trying to actually provide value that DeFi projects can like plug into to actually like um, kind of like safeguard the success of that project. Very interesting. How long is it going to take to uh, pay back the loan, do you think? So we don't have to pay back the loan because what's happening is that like our debt limit um, keeps going up as we as like the rebases happen and like our own balances increase um, within that position. So it's not something that we would repay, but it might be something that will okay like look like um, initially we deposit like maybe a hundred thousand ohm, hundred thousand ohm, and we're allowed to borrow fifty k because we have a fifty percent debt limit. Um, we leave it for like a year, it goes like, I mean, we leave it for like a couple of months, it goes up to like 200,000 ohm, and now we can withdraw it all of like 100k. So we're going to withdraw like the 50k balance, right? That's probably how we intend to use the facility. Gotcha. So you're using the ohm generated to pay it back, uh, basically, like you said, kind of very similar alchemics, like a self repaying almost. Essentially, yes. Very interesting. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Um, all right, and then let's talk about the Curve Tri Pool a little bit here, and what your goals are with this. Obviously, you guys own a ton of convex and curves. This is the first time you're trying to use your uh, leverage in the ecosystem. Uh, do you want to elaborate a little bit on the, yeah, especially I mean, on the triangle attacks? I don't think most people understand what that is, as far as like uh, with sushi and and the other uh, non-curve model of AMMs. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, one thing that's like important for the health of the protocol is to have LP diversity, right? Um, I think here we call it LP flexibility, having multiple different ways to tap into our token. Um, while obviously we're a fan of Sushi, there is some uh, issues that arise with it uh, for like bootstrapping our protocol. Um, and obviously, you know, like I think it makes sense to align ourselves with the decks that we have the most conviction in, which is in this case is curve, right? Um, so what we can do, you know, like right now, this is also just the concept. I think what we can do first is deploy a butterfly ETLP, right? And then as tripools, okay, yeah, this is like a complicated one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, basically the idea here would be to branch off uh, redacted into this like complicated world of like curve routing, right? Um, are you sharing screen? Like maybe you can share screen here on like my Twitter. I posted like a yeah, thing sure. of it. Yeah, um, right, so, so basically curve, now that they have these, uh, <clears throat> these um, in media. How far back you go to is the it? Top, it's in media. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Is it this right here? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if you open this up. So Curve, like V2, right? Basically what it is, is like they have these like hubs of liquidity, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. which is the tri-crypto pool and then the three-curve pool. Um, and then I think, you know, like as the ETH liquidity sort of builds up, uh, there's like an interesting opportunity here for us to like keep on building on this map, mm -hmm. right? So plugging into this ETH one, on the left picture. 
Yeah, so you know, like we can sort of keep on building off of this map gotcha. and we can make an LP for Butterfly ETH. And mm -hmm. then using the routing, you know, like basically people can trade into Butterfly from anything on Curve, right? And the routing is basically like a lot more efficient without getting too into it. Interesting. Um, okay. One thing we want to do is like make sure that like, you know, we keep on building Ohm's liquidity as well, right? I think like one of the big things of being a sub-DAO of Olympus is making sure that like Olympus wins also, right? So mm -hmm. we have a bunch of like ohm right that we're just LPing with right and instead of just deploying this as a separate one there's a really unique opportunity here to just bring over all the butterfly and all the ohm i forget what the tvl is i think it's somewhere around 15 million maybe uh 15 20 million and sort of just like inject it here into the curve v2 asset ecosystem and then people can trade eth for butterfly butterfly for ohm Ohm for ETH, whatever the case is. And because we would be like bonding that to our treasure, we capture 100% of the fees from it. Um, obviously, like I'm sure you guys like are aware, like how much volume like ETH Ohm does, right? So if we can be sort of like the hub of liquidity for Ohm on Curve, like it's a really good opportunity for us to like capture more fees, more mm -hmm. revenue, uh, and at the same time sort of expand the ecosystem of like Olympus out with them without them having to do too much. So it's kind of like a win-win for everyone actually, right? Like Curve gets more markets, we get new liquidity, uh, and Ohm gets like you know expansion to a new ecosystem. Um, so it just seems like a logical step for us to like do this, uh, expand out from some sushi swap and get more into the Curve realm. Obviously, if we apply for a gauge and it passes, uh, then uh, you know like the we can get CVX rewards also, right? So we can just point CVX to our own LP, and because we own 100% of the LP, like we're just getting more context, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then this is like yeah, perfect. I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. And then, like triangle arbitrage attacks, like you know, that's like a more complicated like thing that like bots are doing to us. Mm -hmm. um, bots are like a very like you know, bots are a thing in DeFi that like definitely exists, and people don't like recognize them. I guess like they they try to hide the fact that like bots do a lot of damage to DeFi. Um, basically, like what they're doing is like you know, there's like this trading opportunity for people to like trade the token on V bases and stuff, right? And people can just like bounce between the butterfly and the ohm when ohm does a rebase and when we do a rebase and like yeah I mean like you know it's just not like the most like efficient like solution right like having a fifty fifty LP curve is obviously a much more flexible dex at this point it's an ecosystem that we have like high conviction in and you know like it probably makes sense for us to do this now that curve has this functionality yeah like you've talked about redacted being. I think you use the word like dividend token. And so your goal in the long run is to just create all these different revenue sources, right? Is that kind of the, the general idea? Yeah, I mean, I think like this year we want to make Redacted like a cash flow machine, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think when the music stops uh, in DeFi, um, what, what, it, what it really comes down to is who has the best fundamentals. So as we sort of like bootstrap the protocol and put it in a place where like, you know, regardless of what happens from a PA perspective, like we own significant portions of the supply of like the ecosystems that we care about, right? Mm -hmm. um, which puts us in a position to make like, you know, Butterfly have like very high revenue generation, right? Um, which I'm sure we'll get into throughout the deck of like all the different ways that we're thinking about, like, you know, how can we create the most like novel value accrual mechanism in this space? Um, and how can we move the protocol to generating more revenue than like emissions going out. Interesting. Very interesting. So, 
real quick, just like in summary, like at least for my framework, like uh, with a little bit of like uncertainties with sushi, you guys are effect, you know, trying to align more with Curve, which of course makes sense. No, uh, no, no. It has nothing to do with um, like we love sushi. Like I'm a like contributor to sushi. <laughs> um, thank like, you. For we, the like there's no uh, there's no uh, bad blood with sushi. I guess it's just like you know, like we have more influence in Curve. Like we can extract, we can. In the end of the day, it all comes down to value, and like we can get more out of Curve at the moment than we can out of sushi. Thank you for the correction. Sorry, that's so much better framework. So yeah, you, we're just trying to inline more with Curve. Period. Point blank. Like, uh, yeah. and with the with the try Curve pools, you know, now enabling you guys to do this with Element ETH, as you said, and get more fees in the process. So okay, got it. Would, would sushi or X sushi be something you would look at in the future as a potential token to add to the treasury? <clears throat> or can you not speak on that? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I don't think um, I don't think there's enough governance uh, control that's like the sushi token doesn't grant you as much control over governance and revenue and emissions as something like Curve does. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the unique things about like a vote escrow token or um, a token where you can actually point like emissions towards different things. When you involve money into governance um, and you involve emissions into governance, there's a lot more value to be extracted. Right now, Sushi does not have a permissionless like onsen reward allocator. So it probably wouldn't make as much sense. You know, like I think, yeah, we could like vote on Sushi proposals and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think we necessarily like value that as much as you know uh something like convex where we can like lock it up and get bribes for it and stuff just for locking it up right do you think that the the sushi token model will get phased out or do you think it will stick around because i think a lot of well, people emissions, yeah go ahead, go ahead emissions end in a year year and a half right um which means like no more sushi circulating there's no more rewards and stuff mm -hmm. um It'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, I think um, it's kind of like everyone's duty in this industry to make sure that Sushi wins because um, they kind of like paved the way for like a lot of us. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, I personally would like to see more focus on exclusively the AMM and Kashi and not like sort of like stretch themselves too thin with all the other stuff they're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's, this whole space is about experimenting, though, right? Like, I think uh, Bitcoin, in the end of the day, is an experiment, right? So right. I encourage them to, like, keep, like, trying things and experimenting. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the most forked protocols out there. It's just a question of, like, I think a lot of people are scared away from owning these DEX tokens because the value accrual just isn't always very obvious versus... Well, the fundamentals are there, right? For Sushi, the fundamentals are there. They're generating, like... I think like four hundred thousand dollars in fees or something mm -hmm. um, a day, right? Like even with this low volume sort of like market that we're in right now, uh, the fundamentals are like definitely there for sushi. What's going to be important is that they. What's going to be important is as they phase down the rewards that are going out for onsen rewards, um, they can make sure that they're generating so much revenue that like people don't even recognize that, you know, the shift in rewards has changed completely from revenue generation to emission from emissions. Hmm. 
Interesting. All right, let's move on from sushi. I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. Sorry. I, didn't, I know uh, it's focused on a redacted. I'm glad you're bullish on sushi. Not, don't give up hope yet, people. Um, okay, so let's move on here. Let's get into the harbinger tax uh, or har harbinger tax. Sorry. Um, harbinger. Harburger or okay, got it. Yeah, almost like hamburger, but harburger. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to basically explain this and why you guys are or why the Dow voted to shift away from the bonding? The model Dow hasn't voted yet. The Dow hasn't voted. Oh, yet. I thought they already we did. Still have okay. to take, we still all have right. to take this all to governance and. Got gotcha. you. Uh, this this is kind of like research and development stage, to be honest. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, it's still very interesting. I was very interested when I was when I was reading this. Uh, so if you could explain this a little bit. Um, yeah, so Harbinger taxes. So what is a Harbinger tax in the case of DeFi, I guess, like using it as an example, um, instead of you, it's a crypto economics practice, which is relatively underexplored. Um, instead of a user, uh, <clears throat> let's, let's take OpenSea, for example, I can buy an NFT there, I can hold it for however long I want. And then whenever I want to sell it, I sell it, right? whatever, a typical mm -hmm. NFT. Harbinger taxation model is the concept of basically taking um, this NFT and I want to own it, right? I think the only place it's really been practiced on is in like real estate, for example. So I have this, I have this CryptoPunk and I want to own this CryptoPunk. Instead of me paying out right 100 ETH to own it, I'm paying like one ETH a month or something, right? So that it's <coughs> in my possession. <coughs> <coughs> If someone sees this CryptoPunk and it's like, you know what, I like this CryptoPunk, I'm going to pay 11 ETH a month to own this CryptoPunk, it's automatically out of your possession. So that person has just repossessed it from you for 11 ETH a month. So basically, it really leverages this concept of conviction, which every DeFi protocol is like really looking to, how do we introduce conviction into our token economics and locking and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Harbinger taxes are like truly like the the highest, the purest form of like conviction you can get in crypto because people have to put their money where their mouth is um, in order to own assets and possess them. Um, and it really shifts like this uh, narrative a way of like hoarding assets for people who don't really use them to people who really want assets can get their hands on them at all time if they have a higher conviction in the, in the, in the asset they want to get. Um, <clears throat> so how does this work for an own fork? Uh, <laughs> so... So basically, um, imagine there's like a, like a big plot of land, right? And there's like 50 buildings in this land, right? In our case, this, this, this city of buildings is, is the convex city and there's 50 buildings, right? Um, <clears throat> and these buildings are called staking slots, right? Users, and we are emitting butterfly there the same way it would work for a bond or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So we're giving out 10 butterfly to all these slots, right? into thing people say you know what i want 10 butterfly for just like locking up my convex for a week or something so they would lock up their butter they would lock up their cvx all the slots get taken and then each one of them is getting 10 butterfly <clears throat> this is just like like random numbers by the way it's not like whatever right so everyone puts in 10 cvx and everyone's getting back 10 butterfly mm -hmm. um people are looking at it and they say like oh shit like these guys are just getting like you know free money basically <laughs> um so I can go back, I can see one of the slots that's being taken and I can go in and say, you know what, I'll put up 11 CVX here. And in order to like repossess this slot from you, I will pay a Harbinger tax of one CVX, right? 
And mm -hmm. basically what we're trying to do is like user determined bond discounts, right? So what you're essentially doing, what people are essentially doing is it's like they are fighting over like who will pay the highest tax to own the slot that gets the butterfly rewards. So we're bidding 10 butterfly to the slot, like no matter what. And you are basically saying like, I want to get this 10 butterfly. I'm willing to sacrifice one CVX and someone else is willing to sacrifice two CVX. And then it works up to a way where like, basically the market decides how much CVX like they'd be willing to sacrifice in order to get this reward back. So you're maximizing the capital efficiency of the, of the PCV, of the protocol control value. Sense, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, like, one more point to add to that is, like, um, so with that CVX, like, we might not do it for the first version of, like, this um, Harburger tax model, but, like, we could potentially vote lock all of that um, TVL, right? So if the user gives us, like, 1,000 CVX, we could vote lock that for the duration of a period. And at the end, like, they have their burn rates, so they might only get, like, 90% of that back. But then we'd be able to, like, vote, um, lock all of it and gain all of those rewards, right? Instead of us bonding and then facing, like, significant dilution of butterfly, we'd be able to essentially, like, um, lever um, the amount of, like, vote lock rewards that we get versus the amount of actual butterfly that we've emitted. So it makes everything a lot more capital efficient. Yeah, no, it's it's when I read through it, I was like, this is this is pretty brilliant, honestly. Uh, it's it's like the idea that I mean, how do you see this playing out? Like, do you think there's going to be I mean, this honestly unlocks a whole new game in yield farming, right? I think nobody's really thinking about this yet. Obviously, it hasn't passed. But once it does, do you think that a lot of yield farmers are going to start paying attention to this? Yeah, I think um, like yield farming like it goes back to this thing of like everything being an experiment, right? Like <laughs> um, we're just going to keep on, you know, like working on this model and finding like the most efficient way to do it. Right. And I think like right now, this is probably the most like logical step for us to like, you know, um, grow the protocol and continue generating like demand and stuff for it. Um, it's a more sustainable model. It's a more user determined model. Um, it's unique. It's not <clears throat> a fork. Uh, it's not, um, <clears throat> it's not a bunch of things, but it is a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think like it makes sense for someone in our position to do something like this. I don't really see how it would work for another protocol yet. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, so in our case, like, we're trying to maximize government's power, right? So this makes sense because like we're trying to, in a way, like TVL is more important to us than actual protocol owned like value. So like for us, this kind of makes sense. For Olympus, this would not make any sense, for example. Right, right. Do you think, is, is your primary target more yield farmers or other protocols? That's, or does it not really that's, matter? Um, that's a, wait, repeat the, repeat the question. Like as far as who would be bidding on these slots, do you think it will be more yield farmers or like whales or do you think it will be like other protocols? No, no, I think this will be... Um, <clears throat> Actually, I think it's both, right? Like, I guess, like, maybe we can just jump to, like, the BL and GL. But, or we changed the name, right? What's the name now? RL. It's RL like, yeah, like, it's like reward locked or, like, um, yeah, like, yeah. One second. Reward locked. Revenue locked. locked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you want to explain <clears throat> this briefly, because this is, you're, you're shifting to Butterfly V2, um, right, where you have these two different types of uh, tokens now. Yeah, so I'll talk about, like, revenue locked, and then I guess, like, you talk about GL locked. Um, 
<clears throat> yeah, this one, this is like super interesting. Like, obviously, like, you know, it's one of those, like, you know, like the exhibit meme where it's like, uh, like we heard you like, like we heard you like Vodesco tokens. So we put a Vodesco token in a Vodesco token. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no. But I mean, yeah, like when is someone going to launch the redacted for accumulating redacted? That's, that's the question. Yeah, people are doing it, but like, you know, it doesn't really like, it doesn't really make sense for a lot of reasons. I mean, anyway, so, um, <clears throat> So there's two, like this goes back to like the first slide where we're essentially talking about like what are the flaws with the protocol right now. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you sort of have retail saying like, why would I not just lock up um, like vanilla convex or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, or you might like, you have someone that's like, you know, why would I not just lock up vanilla toke and like, all this sort of stuff. Obviously like, you know, with all these different ways that we're accumulating revenue and fees and seed deals and stuff like that. I think like the the way we're growing the protocol's treasury like kind of speaks for itself um, in sort of ways that are like exclusive to whales, I guess, right? Kind of like a tokenized whale in that sense. But anyways, right. um, <clears throat> we're trading above treasury backing. Why would I not just like lock up CVX and get more capital efficiency? And then you have DAOs that sort of say, you know what, like I have all this like, like I need CVX governance power. Why would I not just like lock up why would i not just buy cvx and lock it up since like you know i'm getting one cvx for one cvx where in this case you're getting like one cvx for like two for like two butterfly basically right or whatever right um <clears throat> so i guess like what we found was like this we can create like basically two vote escrow tokens that sort of divide supply and divide like growth of the protocol right so rl butterfly is revenue locked butterfly where essentially you can lock up <clears throat> your butterfly for like 16 weeks, like convex, and you can be getting like all the fees that you get from like Hidden Hand and Demev and all this other stuff that we're launching, the bribes, like basically everything, right? You can basically lock up your butterfly and get like all the rewards from that and like the staking gave you one. <clears throat> and then GL butterfly is governance locked butterfly, where basically what you're doing is you're locking up the butterfly for 16 weeks again or whatever, but instead of you getting like the protocol fees, you're getting access to the assets that are in the treasury, right? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, yeah so why, I... why make two tokens, right? The reason you'd make two tokens is because you can basically divide the revenue, right? And you can divide the governance power. So if 50% of supply is locked up in GL Butterfly and 50% of supply is locked up in revenue locked butterfly, then the revenue locked people are getting more revenue than if they were to just, if everyone was to lock it up there and the people who lock it up for GL butterfly are getting more governance power per token because half the supply is locked up in the revenue locked one. Yeah. So you basically divide <laughs> the two most useful things of the protocol and you get more efficiency out of each of them because there's two locking mechanisms. The GL butterfly product is a more is a more business facing product where mm -hmm. other DAOs who are looking to get more capital efficient votes can basically like lock up their butterfly and get more CVX votes for the price of one than if they were to lock up the vanilla assets since majority of the supply is locked up in the revenue locked one. And then the people who are locking the revenue locked one are making more money because, you know, like half the tokens or whatever X amount of tokens are locked up in the governance one exclusively used for governance. Yeah. So um, I, I think I think like to, to simplify, like imagine a scenario where like half is governance locked and half is revenue locked. Mm -hmm. the, the entities which are governance locked effectively get like 2x governance control 
and the NCs which are like revenue notes get like two X rewards, right? So that's basic that works. It's like leveraging. Um, so yeah, so yeah, assuming well, like we trade under two X value of the treasury, like it becomes more capital efficient to do both. Yeah, yeah. that's so. That's so in, awesome. in this instance, like DAOs would be more incentivized to do the governance because what you said, so they can guide liquidity, whereas maybe a whale would be more incentivized to do the revenue part. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like the idea of the conviction multiplier too, because that's, I mean, one of the biggest problems with these governance tokens is that a lot of people just don't see the reason to own them. And you guys are really bringing a, a major, I, I would say, I think you guys are going to generate a lot of demand for governance tokens that just wasn't there before. Yeah, I can, I can talk a little bit about like how like the conviction multiplier work. Actually, like it says GL butterfly, but I should just say like, RO above, like if we played around with like the, the number cluster, like the naming conventions a lot. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so effectively, like what's going on is that every single time a user deposits into a log, uh, when they deposit butterfly, we log the time they do it and the amount that they do it. And kind of like in a similar way um, that like Uniswap's um, cumulative like um, like pricing like um, works for like calculating TWAPs, we're kind of like using that mechanism to calculate like the average um, amount of time that a given unit of your butterfly has been like locked in a position Com combine that with the amount of butterfly the user has and we get like um a relative level of conviction um we can then use that to pit them against other users and then calculate like what rewards they should get as a result so that's like something that's really cool that we're playing around with and we're doing this through the nfts so, like the rl butterfly nfts um effectively you can get like tens hundreds of positions different locks and you can combine them into like one nft which represents like you as a user or like um like like whatever like um basically locking these um butterfly tokens and like the idea is that if you want to like extend or like a relock um it basically uses the original locking date as like the um the time that you deposited so it means that users can effectively like stack um, like these conviction multipliers on top of each other if, if they just keep holding, which is really cool. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a very smart design there. Um, yeah, I, I, I just yeah, the more I, I like research what you guys are doing, and I, and I was reading through this is just like I think there's so many ways to unlock value that is kind of. Uh, hidden in a obviously you guys made hidden hand so maybe that's the perfect name for it right but uh like this uh, unlocked value that that is just sitting there for in, in DeFi for a protocol to come and, and unlock uh, I think it's really really cool um okay let's go back a little bit because I wanted to get to um I wanted to go over some of the uh like ecosystem plays you guys are doing and your seed investments if you want to talk about this a little bit um let's start yeah. with curvans can you explain curvans a little bit <clears throat> curvans is a borrowing and lending market that is focused around curve lps and convex like pool tokens mm -hmm. right um <clears throat> so if people want to like leverage up on their curve lp positions and farm more or whatever you could essentially access that liquidity from from curvans directly right um, Curvins also has a wrapper for Convex, which is like a much needed token, you know, sort of like how you have CVX, CRV, which is obviously a major hit. Um, you're going to have like CV, CVX, and eventually like other governance tokens too. So they're creating wrappers for like, you know, other roadblock tokens and stuff. 
Um, <clears throat> they're creating lending markets for Curve LPs. And, you know, like the CVE token has the same similar locking mechanism where you can lock it up and point rewards to whatever, like, you know, like the different pools and shit, um, which is like really dope. Like, I think like it's like a much needed piece of like the Curve ecosystem. And obviously, like, that's a that's a major, that's like probably the main ecosystem of focus for us that we want to be like super tapped into. So instead of like, you know, buying the tokens in the open, this comes back to the question of like, the footers that are like, you know, like, why don't I just buy like CVX or something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you go get in the curving seed round, um, we'll see how that goes. And, you know, <laughs> we'll, um, yeah, like, basically, like, you know, we're able to, to like, uh, make an investment here as a DAO that basically gets us like 0.4% of like the curve in supply for $250,000. Right. So instead of doing some big bonding campaign after they launch and you know, like diluting token holders and stuff, we can use the assets that we've been farming through bribes and just like yield farming in the treasury and get an early allocation to this project, which goes directly into the treasury without diluting anyone else. So it's sort of this idea of like, you know, taking stuff that's in the treasury, flipping it for something that we know has high growth potential and <clears throat> it's sort of like at a very favorable um, discount compared to what it would be on the open on the open launch market. Um, right. So one of the advantages of investing in Redacted is that you're going to get access to investments that you just wouldn't be able to get. No, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like investment advice, but like, you know, like, I'm just like, basically, we're saying like, as a DAO, when you reach a certain threshold of like governance, power and influence, if you're a new protocol that's launching, you like, obviously want to work with people that have like big influence over these ecosystems, right? So I think like with the amount of CVX that we've been accumulating, obviously we can help Curvins win because we have so much CVX to like see them to the finish line, basically, right? right? Which is why I think it makes sense from a strategic level for like protocols like Curvins and like other early protocols that are looking to get into Curve to like sort of like, you know, come work with us, like cartel shit, cartel shit, basically. and yeah, I mean, like, that's sort of like the relationship we have with Curvins. Like, you know, we work like super tight. We work like super closely with them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like, the, you know, like the, the seed details are the, the seed round uh, details are like pretty favorable. I think 68 million FTV is like maybe a bit high, but like, you know, governance was like overly supportive of like the deal. Um, very favorable best, even though like, you know, like as a, one of the things that makes us like a really like good project to work with is that we don't like dump like you know our partner tokens right mm-hmm. so like we're never going to sell it but i mean like you know the favor the, the vest looks favorable anyways because that just means it's like more supply unlocked and like lets us do more things with it basically right um <clears throat> we can lock it up and we can get more voting power for it and all that sort of stuff um so yeah i think it's like a really favorable deal for us um, Jones Dow is like an ecosystem project that's built on top of Dopex, which is also like another one of our partners. Um, <clears throat> you know, once we crack the nut of like how to do multi-chain bonds like really efficiently, well, like I think the first one we'll do is like Dopex on Arbitrum. Um, Jones Dow is like a protocol building on top of Dopex, where essentially, you know, I don't think people necessarily understand like how to do options. It's like a very complicated financial instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, Jones DAO is basically a simple platform where you can deposit your assets like GOM, ETH, whatever, and then they run like option strategies on Dopex and pass that yield back onto you. 
Um, I think this one will also be like a pretty big hit. Um, again, really favorable vesting lets us get those tokens early and lock them up like quickly so that we can participate in the governance. Um, it says pending governance approval here. Governance is passed. Um, the vote. Um, nice big allocation. We have like a considerable amount of supply from this. Um, <clears throat> and let's just get a head start in like the DOPEX ecosystem um, before that becomes what it, everyone knows it's going to become. Do you think the DOPEX ecosystem, and, and Dylan here is invested in Jones Dow and DOPEX, so he's a. I, yeah, well, go ahead. yeah um, no, I was just going to ask, like, how big of a deal do you think the DOPEX ecosystem will be? Because I don't think a ton of people who, other than like really insiders, are talking that much about DOPEX. <clears throat> yeah, well, the option markets is a multi trillion, multi billion, whatever, like ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> in, in, in Web2. And one of the reasons it never hasn't taken off in DeFi is because it's a very gas, it's a very like gas intensive process to do something like this on mainnet, mm -hmm. right? Where unless you are a whale, right? Like it doesn't make sense, right? And then if it's just in a peer to peer market, if it's just whales dealing with other whales, like, you know, no one ever talks about it, right? Um, by building on something like Arbitrum, like, you know, you unlock that ability for like other people to participate in it, right? And I think Dopex is building out a lot of things that make options really easy for people. Um, like just like liquidity provision, like you don't the have SSOBs. to make SSOVs, all that sort of stuff, right? Like I think they really cracked the nut on like how to do DeFi or how to do options in DeFi. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think like uh, my personal opinion is like probably hear more about like Dopex and Vesta and all these like guys building really cool shit on Arbitrum after Arbitrum like gets around to like putting out a token. I think that's like one of the big things that like holds a lot of them back, you know, like I uh, look at like Avex and like, all these other chains and stuff and, like, you know, they really help like their ecosystem grow and like attract more users and capital by giving them like native ecosystem rewards. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's a sustainable mechanism, but it'll, it'll give that boost. To, it'll give Arbitrum, it'll give Dopex that boost that it needs to like really be uh, used a lot more rather than just be a talked about token. I don't think anyone wants to be a token. They want to be a platform. Uh, so I think like that's really what's holding back Dopex is like support from the chain that it lives on. I, um, I, I agree. I, not to cut you off, but just to add to that, like I, I even have tweeted this in the past. It feels like like when you think about Arbitrum, you basically just associate it with Dopex. It's almost like the two are, are meshed together. Uh, really, it feels like Dopex <clears throat> is kind of bootstrap, you know, taking them on their back, so to speak. Uh, you know, we've seen other successful protocols like GMX, but definitely like Dopex is a, is a, the big majority there, I would argue. Um, and yeah, like, uh, I, I mean, I just want to say I agree like with the, I, I really am interested in the L2 space and it's definitely like a big lack of, uh, or one of the reasons why there's a big lack of growth is obviously no token. Like, um, I don't know if, how much you guys have seen like with like Metastal, like they're like an optimism fork with a token and their TVL has grown exponentially in the last month uh it's a, i think it's a little less than optimisms right now but like bordering it so just like emphasizing like how much that that helps uh the ecosystem growth so definitely you know uh waiting for arbitrum to to act on that we'll see but dopex is doing a great job one token yeah all that um, said when token yeah exactly but you know whatever yeah all right, and then Market XYZ is it's, it's very similar to Rari Fuse pools, right? Uh, except they're on Polygon, I believe. They're multi-chain Fuse, but they're building some cool shit that isn't on Fuse too. So okay. we have more like 
I don't know that that one like we haven't announced the partnership yet. Okay, okay, um, and and so these are just like examples, but your your goal is like using the treasury to get into a lot of early seed rounds that most people wouldn't be able to get into because you have that leverage, right? That that's kind of the general idea. Yeah, I think uh, seed investments create good signal to the market. Um, Generally, like, you know, when we get involved with an ecosystem, it goes beyond just like, yeah, like, you know, like, give us your tokens. Yeah, we're going to lock them up. Yeah. Like, I think that's what a lot of other own folks did. And it's like, you know, like, it's so, it's, it's just like some people think so short term and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, like we get like very deep into a protocol. Like, for example, Dopex goes beyond give us your DPX and we'll lock it up forever. You know, like we are like one of the biggest stakeholders of Jonestown now. You know, there was like, I think the first epoch of Dopex, we were like 10% of the TVL. You know, like we do a lot more than just like, you know, lock up the token. For example, like Tokenmac, like, you know, we acquired Votomac, which is like arguably like the biggest like money Lego built on top of Tokenmac uh, right now, like maybe oh. membrane. Other I wanted to and, talk like, about yeah. Votomac. Can you talk about that? Uh, elaborate a little bit? On Votomac. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So Votomac is like Votium for for Tokamak, right? So yeah. Vodium, if you guys, if someone isn't familiar, I think it is a more whale-facing product, but essentially you can lock up your CVX for vote lock CVX, you delegate it to Vodium, and then Vodium aggregates bribes from different platforms and distributes that bribe money to you just for delegating your vote to them. Tokamak has a similar system with core reactors, so essentially, like a lot of protocols want a core reactor and they want Tokamak to do its thing, direct liquidity towards or direct, yeah, direct like liquidity fill orders basically for like their token so that they don't have to yield farm and do all that crap. Um, so if someone wants a core reactor, essentially you can give us or you can like, they don't have a locking mechanism, but you can like stake your Toki in a weird way. You can stake your Toki, uh, Toke, and on Votomac will like get all these other projects that want to, you know, like basically get a core reactor in and, you know, whoever pays the most, we essentially like vote them through. Right. And yeah, exactly. And, and to use Tokamak's own uh, phrasing, they say that liquidity is the bandwidth of DeFi and that they're trying to control a lot of that bandwidth and that people are willing to pay for that bandwidth and you guys will be able to collect a lot of those fees. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Someone wants the bandwidth, like, yeah, come to us. <laughs> Exactly. You're the, the Verizon of, uh, of DeFi. You, you need that internet connection, you come to us. Yeah, yeah Tokenmac is the internet connection, and then we're like the Verizon here. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a new branding for Butterfly. New branding. There you go. <laughs> Feel free to use that. <laughs> um, I don't want to spend too much time on all these. Obviously, Frax, I think a lot of people are familiar with Frax and their ecosystem. I'm not sure if you wanted to go into it too deep here. Um, yeah, I mean, like, similar shit, right? Like, basically, like, we're expanding out the ecosystems that have vote escrow tokens. Obviously, their, their governance tokens have a lot of potential from a revenue generation perspective. Um, FXS is also another very important part of the Convex and Curve ecosystem. Um, this is, like, a very strategic move for us to, like, you know, expand they're the out biggest, the ecosystem. They're the biggest Convex holders, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, they're number one. Yeah, we're trying yeah. to put them. <laughs> like I've heard, I like I've heard like you know kind of broken down you know like obviously uh, convex eats the curve and then frax eats the convex so to speak like uh, I mean yeah. dude like people like talk a lot of shit right like you know like the um, this is how chatfi works like basically right like you know people call it like a composability risk like I don't think that's a real thing like 
obviously there's going to be black swan events for the next like five to ten years probably right but like we're not trying to build something where people live in like a siloed financial ecosystem like this is how the traditional financial ecosystem came to be is like you know building stuff on top of each other and mm-hmm. this is how like this is how the world works like you know what do you what do you what are people expecting here right like you know obviously like there's going to be some rocky there's going to be some rocky times but as soon as we crack that nut and find like the perfect um way to like stack these protocols on top of each other like you know we did it like we we won right so mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i don't understand where this like composability risk like bud comes from um because like obviously like there's going to be like days where it's like stuff goes down like you know like 50 percent or yeah. whatever like we saw what, what? What but the like, hell are... man, like, like you know, like it's better than like everyone sort of living in like their own world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what are credit default swaps? Aren't those just like the tenth layer of whatever derivatives mortgage system? Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, exactly. yeah. I mean, but again, like that was like a failed, like that was like a failed implementation of like you know composability and stuff like that. But like in general, like the reason like that the world is like you know like the reason the trad by market is like a multi-trillion dollar market is because of composability, right? Right. And uh, like one of the reasons, and I'm not saying this just because you guys are here, I was, I invested in, in Butterfly, like right when you guys launched, uh, is that the way I describe very simply, it's probably not a perfect analogy. I was like, Olympus is trying to be the decentralized Federal Reserve. And you guys are almost like a decentralized BlackRock in the sense that you will be this mass, potentially this massive investment fund that has its, its, its tentacles everywhere and controls a lot and has massive influence in the way that BlackRock does. In a cool way though. In a cool way. In a non-evil, really cool way. (laughs) Yeah, because like, I think like the, the power and influence, I'll let you go after Commando, like, you know, the power and influence like over like that BlackRock has, in our case, is done is access to the meta governance of the assets that we hold, right? Uh, right? So it's actually the users that get that power and influence back, right? It's other DAOs and stuff like that, right? Um, and then, like from a financial perspective, like yeah, yeah, yeah. A transparent BlackRock, <laughs> where the, the yeah, DAO I'm, gets to control it, not insiders. Yeah, exactly. And like in a benevolent way, like we can we can become like the self-regulating organization, right? So you see a lot in like TradFi, like when like organizations become really huge. They have a lot of power to kind of regulate and protect the space. I don't know, NASDAQ might just arbitrarily shut down markets and attempt to protect them. Like, not so much in that way, but kind of like using the governance power that we have to kind of like direct like more um, benevolent outcomes instead of just like people aping into a nine nining or like whatever. We can kind of like curb that behavior and encourage more sustainable um, activity in the DeFi ecosystem, basically. Yeah, and let's just be blunt. Like, a lot of DeFi is bullshit, okay? I mean, a lot of these are just bullshit farm tokens that people pump and dump. So I I think I I, I like when people are actually trying to advance the space and not just, oh, let's do a quick cash grab project because we can. Let's fork sushi on this new L1 that just popped up, right? I mean, that's, let's be honest, that's a lot of DeFi is just that. There's not real innovation there. They're just trying to make quick money. And you guys are actually trying to do something different. Uh, okay, let's move on to. Did you want to go over racket very much? This one was probably the most complicated part. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, like, yeah. So this is this is like currently working on the paper. Actually, um, yeah. it's kind of like if you see there's like a line which kind of looks like y equals x. Mm-hmm. That should be y equals x squared. Um, like I just just in case like, anyone's looking at that graph, just like it might help explain things better. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what racket is is like instead of having stable coins. Let's have a protocol to stabilize the whole market. 
um, that's essentially like the aim here, right? So like essentially it's kind of came from like the pain that a lot of us as like Omis experience when um the value of ohm like collapsed right mm-hmm. and that was like a long painful process and a lot of that was because of people mine mining in like a very irresponsible way those cascading liquidations basically ruined the value of ohm so essentially we're giving kind of like users the opportunity to um split um like the capital between these like shared long positions that we call cats and the shared short positions which we call racks and so effectively kind of like the aim of this is that like if you want to go long you kind of you put your money into a rack and then you're like um kind of like leverage you're kind of like being leveraged from by the capital in like the rack or the short position um the short position really isn't like a short it's more like a pseudo stable coin right so like provided you're like um kind of like if you go back to a diagram like it's it sort of like behaves like a stable coin up until the point that it's like 80 percent like collateralized and at that point it kind of like just gradually falls down right it's because it's being subsidized by the capital in a long pool and the ideas that will like okay we can like get people to kind of like take these long positions these short positions and lock them and they can kind of like get like rewards for doing so and those rewards would, would like further um like make this more attractive than on the dumping or like nine nining through like a few pool right and so that's essentially the idea the idea is that like we make it more attractive to um, to kind of like leverage or like dump in like a more attractive way. The idea is that um, these rack positions, these short positions, would be for like also different tokens. So you'd have like a rack, a racket pool for like ohm, um, any kind of like token which you can yield on butterfly, um, convex. Uh, like if you if you're like borrowing on like a, if you're like lending on the protocol, you might be able to get it on like stables being like um, lent on fuse, for example. And essentially, the idea is that, like, um, we would then, like, have an index of all these rack positions, mm-hmm. and you'd be able to then stake that index token to get, like, racket rewards, right? So the idea is that, like, we um, want to essentially kind of, like, create incentives to uh, manipulate the DeFi market to kind of, like, stabilize it. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a real problem. Uh, Zeus tweeted recently that he's trying to come with a LP design that could limit the damaging effects of the 9-9. Yeah, I don't think it's an easy problem to solve, but I'll be interested to see when you guys come out with your your full paper. I'll definitely give it a read. Absolutely. Uh, And then, yeah, Hidden Hand. This is the last thing I wanted to kind of go over in your your plan, because this is probably, would you say this is going to be the biggest revenue generator out of everything you're doing? It'll be one of them. (laughs) This is a bunch of stuff with... There's a bunch of stuff we're doing, you know. We're just gonna keep on. Uh, <coughs> we're gonna keep on. <coughs> my bad. You're okay. We're gonna keep on just like shipping stuff and building stuff, you know, and just keep on generating revenue for people, you know, and just have it all flow back. To, to the, the most simple explanation of Hidden Hand is just it's a bribe marketplace, right? So you have all these different tokens that you own, and people can come in. No, and no. Hit. People like yeah. So I mean. I think this is like a common confusion with it. So like, actually it's like, like, you know, like um, you like, let's use, what's like a picture here. Let's use ribbon for, or let's use Lido for example. Okay. You're on the Lido website, you have Lido tokens and they like make a locking mechanism. You know, you Mm -hmm. lock up your Lido, you lock up your LDO tokens, right? Mm -hmm. And now instead of just like getting like governance power and like, you know, bonus fees and all this sort of stuff, um, you can delegate it to the hidden hand marketplace 
exactly like convex, right? You delegate it to Vodium. And essentially what you can do is like, you know, you uh, <clears throat> delegate it there. And then let's say like there's a layer one that wants like support of LDO or, or Avalanche's LDO pool isn't getting as much support as they want and they want more liquid staking solutions. Like let's use Avalanche then, for example. Avalanche can bribe the LDO uh, token lockers through Hidden Hand. And now instead of just getting the bonus rewards or whatever, you are getting like bribes from like Avalanche for basically like auto voting for them. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So people can take the tokens that they already own and use your marketplace to generate revenue that they wouldn't be able to otherwise. And then you guys get a cut of that. Yeah, I mean, there's like, like this is an extension of um, Votomac, right? Mm -hmm. Like Votomac did this for Tokamak, right? Mm -hmm. There was like a 5% fee or something. Like we're doing, I think like a 4%. So we're just going to change the fees from 5 to 4 and like maybe it'll go down eventually if like you know it's generating like a lot of revenue and like people want lower fees whatever it is mm -hmm. um podium's the same thing you know podium takes a fee on all the bribes and yeah yeah no it's uh very but very in our case like instead of going to like us like you know half of it goes to the treasury increasing the backing per token which is like a flawed metric anyways but goes to increase like the backing per token and then the other half goes towards people who lock up their butterfly and rl butterfly Cool, cool, cool. Okay, and then I just wanted to finish off. I just want to ask some more general questions. Um, as far as like, uh, I guess we'll start like, okay, when you're running a DAO, because the DAOs I think uh, get a bad rep right now, but I think a lot of that is just because they're early. How, what are the things that you like about doing the DAO model versus, uh, you know, just if you guys made all the decisions? Uh, and what what things do you not like about it? <clears throat> you want to go, Fernando? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he's yeah. I don't think he's here. Fernando, you still um, there? Okay, I think he dropped out. Maybe. Okay. <clears throat> not good. Um. Yeah. So, what do we like like about the governance mechanism? I mean, obviously, one is that like you know we don't want to be making decisions with such a fat treasury. I don't mm -hmm. think anyone should be like the one person like involved in, or one person should be like doing this, right? Um, like obviously, it should be like a community driven thing, right? Like, what's going on at the treasury and stuff like that? Like it's your money, right? Like it's not like we're managing your money, right? Like it's not what this is, right? So it's obviously good in that sense. Um, <clears throat> think like the general ethos of decentralization obviously is like good reason to do governance and stuff like that i think um on the down i think everyone knows like the benefits of governance right like there's no point like getting into all that mm -hmm. um but what's the downside i mean so redacted lives in this world where there's a lot of market sensitive decisions that have to be made um <clears throat> yeah there's like you know like yeah exactly there's a lot of market sensitive decisions that have to be made um and done and I think, uh, <clears throat> damn, that chart, look, that chart looks ugly and that chart is not right. <laughs> I was going to ask you too, how much the, uh, the price fluctuations uh, kind of mess with the heads of people on uh, Dower if uh, it doesn't. Actually, to just extend on what David just said, like, I mean, related to price, but like, yeah, what has it been like navigating through this sentiment shift away from you know, the home season sort of stuff. And now, you know, by extension, all the stuff that just went down with Wonderland, you know, I'm, I'm curious, like, I don't know, like, it seems, you know, to be frank, it seems like tough waters to navigate 
both socially and just from a managerial perspective. So like, I don't know if you want to share some thoughts on that. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, so definitely rough little bit for like, I think like rebase tokens in general, don't want to like comment too much on price to be honest, but like, yeah, I mean like rough little market sentiment. I think like one thing that we did really good is that like our community is not like, we didn't do any like shilling marketing or anything like that. You know, like I think there's like often like scams and stuff that go on where they like, you know, like go and attract like retail money and like mm-hmm. people who have like no idea what's going on. Right. I think like the way we built our, our community was there was a big focus on attracting like uh, seasoned market participants per se. Right. Uh, um, I was about to say, just sorry to interrupt to chime in. Like, I, a lot of people I saw like talking about uh, talking about Redacted, like especially at the start, was like a bunch of dope X chads or a bunch of you know like people who I would consider you know probably sharp or yeah. I don't see a lot of retail talking about Redacted uh, compared to like, which is know, a good thing because Wonderland. Yeah, which is a good thing because um, we're not building like something very simple here. This right. is obviously like a very ambitious project. Like we have like very ambitious goals. And I think like, you know, there's no way that like retail would understand like what we're trying to do here, right? Like this is like, and I don't, I'm not like the fan of like, you know, trying to like trick people into like, you know, doing stuff. And I mean, anyways, like that all goes back to like, what has the community been like? The community's been chilling for the most part. Um, compared to Ohm, we're not down as bad. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, like, another point to kind of, like, add in, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of, like, composability, right? So, like, well, we kind of create all the building blocks for, like, a project which is more retail-oriented to come in, like, I don't know, like, one thing that we were talking about is, like, a BL Butterfly wrapper, right? Because, like, the way that BL Butterfly rewards are going to be, like, distributed is going to be, like, quite complex. It's going to be, like, Votium rounds where you have, like, 10 different tokens. So, yeah, cool. Like, really cool, like, retail use case would be, like, um, just to consolidate all of that to auto-combine Butterfly, right? So, like, there's tons of opportunities for like other projects to come along and build like retail-friendly derivatives on top of Redacted. Yeah, and I mean the other thing too with the price, like it's it's a new paradigm where you have like if you guys if you think of it as like a startup, it's like the idea of like having imagine if every startup was publicly traded from day one. You know, it just would be really messy. You know, I mean, it, public markets are already messy, and and that's kind of we've brought public markets all the way down to the seed stage, essentially, with a lot of these. Mm. So, I mean, you guys aren't even two months old yet, right? Like, you just launched in December, so you're, like, two months old, maybe. Uh, hey, you're worth $160 million in two months. That's pretty damn good, mm. you know, wh- whether there's been fluctuations or not. Uh, I think I think most people who've been in crypto a while don't care that much about price fluctuations. Obviously, you know, yeah, you don't like seeing your coins go down. It hurts. But I don't know. I mean, like, even in the Ohm side, there is definitely the retail people who were like panicking and got out, but of the actual like omis that have been in it since like before it got all the hype. Um, there was I, a worse, there was like a worse time in Ohm than this, you know. I think like everyone just knows Ohm now, right? Like, like the April crash, right? Like there's there right, like, like things like this don't happen overnight, right? And I think like you know, like if we had nothing like planned, like if we were just gonna continue to be like an Ohm fork, I guess, like. Mm-hmm. I think like the I think like people would panic, but I think like everyone kind of knows like what we're doing here and why we needed to launch now and all this sort of stuff. Um, so like you know for the most part like everyone's chilling and they know like what what's coming right. Like we made it very clear with like the roadmap. Like we're all like you know we know most of the people in the community. Like 
you know, yeah, we're we're building, you know, like it's like, uh, yeah, like I you guys are trying to be us. one of the biggest players in the curve wars, and any any community member or anybody invested that you know did any amount of homework should know that, obviously. So that therefore, yeah, I mean, look at curve, right? Look at look at convex, like that didn't happen overnight. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. I think I think you know, especially in crypto, everybody has like the shortest attention spans and. You know, let's be honest, most people just want number go up. They don't really care what projects are doing. And I do agree that that only works for so long. Fundamentals have to matter at some point. It's the same in like, you know, you look at like a tech stock like Peloton, you know, they, they're down like 85% or something too. So it affects all markets, not just crypto. Um, back <clears throat> on, the, on the DAO part, one, one thing that's really interesting to me, I see a lot of people talking about like how to best operate DAOs. Because um, the problem when you have everything put to a vote is that, you know, you just get slow. You know, you introduce like bureaucracy, right? Have, have you thought about this idea of kind of like countries do, like a representative democracy with the DAO where they just elect people and then those people just make decisions for a period of time and they don't have to put every single thing to a vote? <clears throat> I think most DAOs do this, um, sort of like this notion of like committees and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think before we get there, like we might as well just take things to governance um, and like let everyone decide on them as we sort of vet like who are the strongest community members mm -hmm. that like, you know, people trust to like make decisions, right? Um, obviously, like, you know, a core team doesn't vote on shit. Um, like we are pretty, like, you know, we let the community decide what goes on and stuff. So as I think like the whole, the whole network like starts to determine like who are the leaders here and who like has a really good grasp on it, then I think we, it makes sense to like branch off into committees. Do you think, because I kind of personally, I know it's like very, it's tough. Like I would want the core team to vote on things because at the end of the day, you guys are the ones who started it and built it and had the vision. And I understand you want like the democratized version, but at the same time, there are just certain people who, just know so much more about a certain topic and shouldn't they have more influence over the decision making no um no like i mean like so we're introducing this like conviction staking where um i think like you know like a whale can have so much money and yes he has like a vote or whatever but um <clears throat> i guess like in our case like when you introduce conviction staking like you can have way less money than one of the whales but because you have decided to like stick with this protocol for like the long term, you get like higher governance votes, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think we're looking at it more from like, you know, people who have the most conviction should be the ones voting and stuff like that. And we don't want to dilute their voice with like the team, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people would just like follow what we vote for, I guess. Right, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, we're still like proposing ideas and stuff. Um, we participate in the forum, you know, we like, you know, for the most part, like, while we sort of get this thing on its own two feet, like we're putting stuff in the forum for people to talk about and vote on. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think like eventually like people will step up to the plate and then those will be the people that sort of lead the committees for certain things. I think we'll need a committee for leading like seed investments, um, committee leading sort of like treasury management, like all that sort of fun stuff. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I guess two final questions. Uh, the first one being, like, if we fast forward two years, where would you want to see Redacted be? And do you think your role would be like, wet, like you would step back uh, a lot by then? Is that kind of your goal? That it takes a life of its own, in a sense? 
I think actually like the end goal for every protocol should be immutability, um, being fully immutable. Mm-hmm. So actually no governance, right? You find a system that works, it can operate by itself. Um, I'm really like a big fan of like Liquidy and Rye in that sense. While I think they did it a bit early, you know, mm-hmm. like day one, they were like immutable. I think that's the way like most projects should go, you know, like Liquidy got a working model, like, okay, cool. Like they got a working model. Like what do they need governance for? You know, like the system works, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What are people going to go vote on like buybacks and all this like short-term garbage and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, so I think like once the protocol finds a way to stand on its own two feet and can find a way to like automate everything um, based on like the stuff that we've done. Uh, like, yeah, like, you know, I don't think we even need governance, right? So there needs, That's there doesn't need to be any, any leaders or there doesn't need to be any changes, right? Once, once you get it right. I mean, there's still the uses for the governance token, right? Like things like gauges, for example, they're really sustainable, they can't manage themselves. But then like, yeah, like immutable code is kind of like the aim of smart contracts by principle. Yeah, you've talked about like crypto anarchism, right? And that's kind of your, your thesis behind what most of these protocols should be. Yeah, I think like crypto anarchism is also a, a, like the notion of like, you know, like like hidden like um, hidden hand, and like I guess like uh, what was the other one, uh, <clears throat> racket and all this sort of stuff and like harbinger taxes and everything like you know like we should just embrace like the PVP nature of like what crypto is, <laughs> right? And we should build on top of it instead of trying to hide it, right? Like, you know, like a lot of the stuff that people build, like, you know, we know what we're building. We know it's not like something that's like, yeah, one day you can use Butterfly on like your credit card or something, you know, like we know what we're building, um, like embrace the nature of what the space truly is. Um, I guess that's more on like the thesis side of things when you're building stuff. Um, then I guess like how we make decisions. Makes sense. Makes sense. And then my final question, we've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but my final question was just what other uh, founders or projects do you admire most in this space? Uh, Curve. Olympus. <laughs> Curve and Olympus. Like, yeah, I think uh, Curve, to me, Curve, Olympus, and Liquidity. Interesting. Right. Whatever you, whatever you can end up. I'd say Reflexor, right? Because like, they're the first ones who kind of like, made this effort and kind of realized what like dollar pegs are wrong. Let's work on that. Um, I know Stefan has a really good work rate. I met him once at a networking event a really long time ago. And then he was just explained to me the idea. And then like four months later, like bam, they, they raised like 1.7 miles. Like this guy is on fire. Like that's why Reflexor definitely. Um, I think Olympus, like I am a huge Omi. Um, I think I think it's Rari Capital because like those dudes are younger than me and, and they somehow managed to build out this entire suite. Um, while at that age, I was basically just going to the club twice a week. Um, yeah, I, I, I admire founders who have really good work rates, basically. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, guys. Really, really, really appreciate it. And yeah, uh, thanks, guys. Maybe uh, another you know down the road when you guys do your 2023 roadmap, uh, we'll have you on again to uh, go over it. Absolutely, <clears throat> looking forward to that. All right, thanks so much for coming on, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.